welcome to episode six of the Bull Hunting Soul podcast. This episode is brought to you by uh, Lagunitas IPA beer. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm actually drinking, uh, uh, it's in the evening right now, I'm actually having a, an IPA, a rare occasion that I actually uh, do drink anything, and I don't know whether I'm drinking it because um, trying to take the edge off this episode maybe, or maybe get me riled up, or maybe a little bit of both, I don't know, you'll see. This, this episode is going to be what I'm going to call about the trad police. Uh, it's something that I sometimes tend to like rant about. And, um, I, I, like, I, I think I mentioned in previous episodes that I've been waiting to do this episode and I don't necessarily want it to be a negative rant kind of episode, but I think it needs to be out there. Now, what is, uh, who, who are the trad police and what am I talking about? Well, in traditional archery these days, we've got this boom in traditional archery. We've got, we've got a lot of people coming into it, um, whether coming from the compound world or just straight up, uh, you know, have never shot a bow before coming into traditional archery. And we've got this old guard that have been, that have been in traditional archery for the last 20, 30, 40 years, maybe sometimes more. And just like when you get an influx of um, new, you know, younger, fresh blood into any activity, any sport, um, the old guard tends to kind of recoil a little bit and they're, a, a lot of their, 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 their preconceived notions and, and, and understand, understanding about certain things gets questioned. And, you know, just like anybody, when, when someone gets questioned about something that they do or that they supposedly think that they know about, they tend to be standoffish about it. So I think that's kind of what's happening. Now, maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but um, let's, do a little bit of, let's do a little bit of history. Um, if, if you listen to, or if you're on any kind of forum, if you're on any kind of Facebook forum, or if you're on any, uh, you know, online forums or anything like that, that's regarding traditional archery, there is a term out there called the trad police. And these are what I'm going to call like the old crusty curmudgeons who began maybe shooting uh, traditional archery back in the, you know, 70s, 80s, let's say. And they've been shooting it for quite a few decades. Now, this was, the, the term traditional archery didn't even come about until, you know, the compound bow was invented. And let's just say that's like late, late 60s, but probably during the 70s, right? Compound bow came along, and then the term traditional archery was, was coined to separate it from anything that didn't have, you know, like pulleys and extra cables and things like that, that anything that was not a compound bow. Before that, it was just called archery. And it seems like this backlash started against anything that's, that's technology-related or, te- or tech-driven uh, tech or anything that, that, that even remotely looks like it could be techie on a bow. Now, obviously, uh, you know, cams and wheels and, and pulley cables and, and things like that, yeah, that's not a traditional bow. Um, and by the way, I'm going to use the term traditional archery, even though some people don't like it, even even some people nowadays don't like the word trad or traditional archery because it's too, you know, they just want to be like, hey, we're all archery. But for the purposes of this podcast and for, you know, for, for a lot of things I do, I use traditional just to separate it from compound. But as you guys know, I love archery. I love archery of all forms. I love traditional archery more, but I love archery 
of all forms. Okay, so going back to the 70s and 80s, so we had this kind of revolt against uh, the compound, right? Everyone said it was going to be cheating, it's too easy, blah, 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 too much let off. And, you know, I, I can't imagine what they would think of the bows, you know, some, if some of those guys are around today probably too, but some of the bows uh, today that are coming out. But that's a different story. So somehow along the way, it, it, the, this idea that archery um, and anything that is not a compound, anything that's like a recurve or a longbow, the, I, this idea got perverted that um, this type of archery doesn't should have like nothing on the bow except like all it is is a stick and a string. And then it shouldn't have any kind of sights, that you shouldn't be aiming it, that you shouldn't have to have any kind of uh, a, a tuning uh, you know, related to it, that it should only be shot, you know, like split finger, you know, one finger above and two finger below, um, that it shouldn't, uh, have elevated rests of any kind of sort. <clears throat> it shouldn't be aimed in any, in, in any way. And that, you know, that these arrows, uh, that you launch out of this thing are magically powered by Fred Bear's ghost and powered by unicorn piss. Okay. This is what some of these people, seem to be, I mean, genuinely seem to, seem to think. Um, you know, there's ideas out there that, uh, uh, you know, if you aim the thing, it's not true instinctive or it's not true archery. What the hell? That's just, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, I mean, you don't want to be accurate, you know? Um, there's ideas out there that uh, the, a real man's bow, quote unquote, should be like 55, 60, 65 pounds. You know, that's what they were shooting back in the day. I'm going, to I'm going to come back to all of these points. We're going to dissect some of this stuff, by the way. I'm just making some bullet points ahead of time. Um, that they grew up with these, uh, you know, 50, you know any, and anything under like 50 pounds, let's say, is like a light, I'm using air quotes, light bow or like a, a youth bow or a women's bow or whatever. Now, all of this is, I'm going to say, well, I'm going to be nice about it and say that it's not, it's not helpful. It's not helpful to anything. It's not correct. It's very, very nearsighted. And uh, now that I've had a few more sips of this beer, I'm just going to call plain it out. It's just plain old bullshit. What these people spout off and the, the closed-mindedness that they, that they espouse is just pure and utter bullshit. So we're going to dive into um, certain things. Some of this might be a little bit of a recap from the previous uh, uh, previous podcast regarding, um, you know, some of these things as far as, you know, both set up and things like that. But I'm going to break down some of this stuff. Now, one of the things that, um, one of the main areas, I guess, that these guys, the, the trad police, the curmudgeons, uh, really tend to bear down on is, 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 is like, is like a, like a light switch thing for them, um, is sighting, sighting methods, like actually aiming the bow. Now, to these guys, the only true way to do this, for, for somehow the idea got uh, perpetuated that the only real way to shoot a bow is pure instinctive. You look at what you want to hit, just like throwing a baseball, they say. You, want, you look at what you want to hit, and you draw the bow back, and you fling it. Again, remember, supposedly it gets to where it's going, you know, like I said, with Fer Fred Bear's ghost and powered by unicorn piss. And somehow it's supposed to end up exactly where it's supposed to end up. And if you do anything that is different than this, is, then that's in, in their mind, uh, you're perverting the purity, whatever the hell that means, 
purity of traditional archery, that you're not doing it right, that uh, somehow uh, you know, you're trying to change things that, that shouldn't be, it's not real archery, um, that it's stupid. And it's just, I mean, I, it just makes my blood boil to listen to some of these guys on these forums. You know, they have enough technology to get on forums and, and, and spout off all this crap. But for some reason, they can't wrap their head around that, you know, there's actually, um, you know, reasonable, uh, uh, um, you know, th- th- there's, there's, there's reason to why some people shoot the way they shoot and that it's a more accurate than maybe the way they shoot than, than these guys shoot, that there's more science behind uh, what, what's going on. But anyway, I'm going to get to some of that. So sighting methods. Let, let's jump in on sighting methods. I covered this in the previous uh, podcast. But again, they think the only way to do it is instinctive. Well, let me tell you, um, whether it's this or other things related to bow setup, a lot of these guys, the, the trad police, the curmudgeons, they are very, very like nearsighted, short-sighted, on their uh, traditional or, or archery history in general, okay? Uh, they don't like any kind of sights on the bow. I mean, heaven forbid you put any kind of sights on the bow. That's not pure enough. Heaven forbid you use your, uh, your arrow as a sight pin and you, you, know, you gauge distance or you know, your aim or anything like that off of uh, the sight picture with, your, with, with the tip of your arrow in, in relation to where you want to hit. Heaven forbid you do any of that stuff. Heaven forbid you have any kind of marks on your riser uh, for elevation. If uh, all it takes is for anyone to go onto Google and type in traditional archery uh, aiming or historical uh, archery aiming, and you can go back all the way from like a thousand years to even just like you know like eighty years ago or sixty years ago or whatever, and you're gonna find bows, you know back. I mean, there, there's pictures. In, in, in magazines, there's pictures online of these guys with recurves and longbows. And, you know, this is back in the 20s and 30s and 40s when, he, when there was a lot of, you know, uh, outdoor competitive archery, field archery uh, stuff going on. The heyday of, like, Howard Hill and things like that. Um, you know, you, you look at some of these pictures, and these bows had sights on them. Um, they had elevated rests on them. They were being used for, you know, they had stabilizers on them. And you can look all the way back to, uh, you know, like the Mongols and, and like the Turkish bows and things like that where they were shooting uh, with essentially a thumb release. You know, it's this little curved little doohickey that they carved out of bone or something else, probably bone. And, you know, it hooks, it hooks around the string. And you're pulling it back and it, it, it swivels around, you, you know, when you, when you let go. It's essentially a very, very rudimentary type of uh, release that's designed to give you a cleaner release that's not off of your fingers. Um, all of these things existed long before the trad police ever came about. And their history is, is like very, very nearsighted. It's very short-sighted. It's really frustrating. All they need to, like I said, if they can get on a forum, they can get on the internet and, and, and bitch about how someone comes in with uh, you know, an, an aluminum riser uh, you know, recurve, and then they've got a sight on it, or they're, you know, using some sort of aiming method with their arrow, well, they can, you know, type a few more keystrokes and go actually research their archery history and find just how, how, how wrong they are. But they don't do that. So we touched in the last episode about gap shooting, you know, the distance between your, uh, the tip of your arrow and actually where you want to hit, um, you know, point on, uh, gap-stinctive, meaning like, 
you know, it's kind of instinctive and kind of, you know, you get the whole sight picture uh, in a subconscious gap. Now, what, I will throw this out there. There are a lot of guys that can purely, purely shoot instinctive, okay? But I think out of 100 guys that say that they are purely instinctive shooters, I'm going to call bullshit on 80, at 80 of those 100 guys, probably more, that they're actually what we would now call gap instinctive or subconscious gap. In other words, yes, they're focusing on what they want to hit, but their brain and everything else is taking in that entire sight picture. And even though they may not be consciously referencing the tip of the arrow or their bow arm or anything else on the riser or anything like that, the brain, the, your, your brain is subconsciously doing that. It's doing an, a, 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 taking in the whole sight picture and it's doing the, uh, the, the elevation and, and, the, and, and the windage, you know, the left, right, and up, down calculation for you. Now, you may fool yourself into thinking it's just purely instinctive, but probably for most of these guys, most of these guys, it's not. Now, there are a lot of guys that can, let's say, um, you know, do the trick of, you know, they'll, they'll turn off the light. If they're shooting indoors or whatever or at night, they'll go put uh, like a little flashlight or like a little lighted knock or, or something like that in, in the target bail, turn off all the lights so you can't see, you know, your arm and your hand in front of your, your face and, and go shoot. And then they'll actually, you know, hit that, that light. All, all you're aiming for is that light, lighted uh, whatever it is, flashlight or, or knock or whatever in the target bail so that you're not referencing your bow and your arm and your, your, your tip of your finger or anything like that, or a tip of your uh, um, uh, arrow or anything like that. But again, out of 100 guys, I'm going to say probably only like 10 or 15 of them can actually really do that. Most people who go on these forums and spout off about, I'm instinctive, I'm pure, I'm blah, blah, blah. No, you're, 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 probably, you're probably doing some sort of subconscious gap. And that's okay if you want to call that instinctive. That's my version of instinctive. Because I, I, I tell people I'm mostly instinctive, but I'm like gap-stinctive or, or, or feels good gap. And that's kind of what I do. And I'm very honest about that. I don't tell somebody I can just like purely only focus on the spot I want to hit. I need to see the whole, I need to see the whole um, side picture. So a lot of these guys are fooling themselves thinking that they're pure instinctive, and they're not. That's number one. Uh, number two, you know, they'll have a hissy fit if, you know, heaven forbid anybody decides to put a sight on their bow. You go look, again, look at some of these older bows like way back in the day and even in the 60s and even today now, they've got bows, that, uh, you know, you go, you know, the Three Rivers, uh, you know, archery site, Lancaster archery, any of these, in any of the online places, they will sell um, like tape on or screw on like slider sites or graduated kind of, you know, sites or whatever that, that, that tape to you know, the, uh, the belly, which is the side-facing U of, of the riser, and it's got graduations on there. Um, there's actual sights that bolt on, just like in a compound. It'll bolt on, um, you know, to the, to the front of the bow. And then if you're just starting out in, in, in archery, if you're just starting out in traditional archery and you need something, you need something to, to, to help you get started and help you just aim and get a sort of kind of general you know, direction that you want to be doing it, by all means, do that. And if you need something when you're hunting, and if you need something even down the line when, when you know, you're experienced enough and you need that to be more accurate, why the hell wouldn't you want to be more accurate? And, and, and who are any of these people to tell you that you're not being trad enough? 
Okay. Got another swig of the IPA there, and we're ready to go. So I think I think I've made my point about the whole uh, citing citing uh, citing methods thing, and I'm going to move on to uh, bow. I'm going to move on to bow poundage. Let's move on to bow poundage because this is another one that um, that gets that 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 kind of kind of bothers me. Um, the old guard, or the the, the the trad police era, you know, guys that, that we're talking about here, um, they really seem to want to poo-poo or, or can't understand why anybody would want to shoot a bow that's less than 55 pounds. Now, I don't know whether it's they're trying to be, you know, less like a manly man thing. I don't know whether they're trying to prove something. I don't know whether they're trying to say that they don't, uh, you know, that they don't think that, that the arrow will, you know, fly you know, good enough or penetrate well enough to ethically kill something, um, or whether they don't have an experience with uh, either A, a properly tuned lighter bow, or B, or a properly tuned arrow, which is way more important than that, or a combination, um, or combination of, 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 the, of the two. Now, I'm going to say right now that my bows right now are 40 pounds. I shoot 40 pounds. I can shoot a heavier poundage. Now my shoulders are, both my shoulders are not so happy. My left one is like pretty much wrecked, which is my bow arm one. Um, I find that when I pull like a lot heavier poundage, like in the 50 range, you know, over 48, 50 pounds, um, I can feel like my left, my, my bow arm elbow start to crush. So I shoot every day. I think I've made that pretty clear. I shoot every day that I can. And sometimes I will shoot you know, for an hour, sometimes hours, multiple hours. And I can I cannot do that with a heavier bow. With a lighter bow, you know, 40 to 45 pound range, I can do that. I could shoot for hours. It's not a problem. And it's also not a problem um, in my mind that I have a perfectly tuned arrow and a heavy enough arrow that I don't, if I do my part, again, I have not shot Full full disclosure, if you haven't listened to the previous podcast, I have not shot anything with my traditional bow. Not one. Um, been trying for a few years, like two years really, but I've not actually brought down anything. However, from, and I'm going to uh, kind of defer to uh, what I see, again, on, on forums and things like that, of people who are actually getting the job done with the similar equipment that I'm using, um, I see no problem, you know, under 20 yards with a heavy enough arrow with a sharp two-blade broadhead, uh, that a perfectly flying arrow that this thing is going to do the job. The most important thing for me is that I shoot the bows that I have often enough that I am confident enough in them every time I pick them up. And I'm confident in the bows because I shoot them so much, okay? It's kind of like a little catch-22, Okay. If I had a, like a much, much heavier bow, I would not be shooting these things as often as, often as I do, or as far as, you know, as many repeated, uh, you, know, sh- you know, as many reps as I do. And I'm a firm believer that watching the arrow fly, that whole mystical, you know, flight of the arrow kind of thing, uh, ingrains a certain sight picture. Again, whether it's purely instinctive or gap-stinctive or whatever the hell it, you, know, you want to call it, it ingrains a certain sight picture. It ingrains a certain um, arrow, arrow flight path, arrow arc. 
it ingrains uh, certain things where you see, yep, that arrow was flying good. Nope, that arrow was not flying good. And to be able to tune things, you know, in and out of your bow, um, just just repeat it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. The same sight picture, um, but the same sight picture in 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 different. Um, uh, not configurations, what's um, in different positions, okay? So I will shoot from my knee. I will shoot at an angle. I will shoot, you know, bending, you know, downward. I will shoot standing up. I will shoot, uh, you know, trying to like leaned around a corner or something like that. Um, I practice in all, you know, in all positions so that I can make it count should I need to not make a, you know, in, in a perfect position, make a shot in a, in a perfect position in the field. So that means I obviously I shoot a lot. So when I shoot that that much, then I'm instilling confidence in myself and in my equipment that yes, that the shot is going to go like it. And you get the I got this feeling, okay? Not that I'm going to be pulling back too far and I'm going to be shaking and not having a good sight picture and 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 just letting it go prematurely. Um, yes, I want to move up in in, in poundage. And, and, and I am going to, actually, I've got an Omega uh, original on the way, which is going to be about 47, 48 pounds. Um, and I, and, I, and I, I don't think I'm going to have a problem shooting those because I've shot bows that high. But as far as this goes, as far as anybody else goes that's like starting out or, or, or whether, you know, they, they, they used to shoot heavier poundage and then they, they got back down to this. A lot of guys have realized that 40-pound bow even a 35-pound bow, let's say 40-pound bow, is more than enough with a heavy enough arrow. My arrow is like 610 grains, okay? I mean, my point on is only 25, 24, 25 yards. I have a certain arc ingrained into my head, and I like, I like what it does. I'm confident in it. I wouldn't be able to do that with a heavier bow. Now, um, it seems like most bows, just, 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 as, just from my uh, observations, um, again, on, on forums and, and listening to different boyers and, and things like that, it's, I, I think most bows today being ordered from boyers, from custom boyers, are like, f you know, in, in the 40, you know, 48 to 52 pound range, maybe 53 pound range. I think I, I heard um, uh, South Cox of uh, Stalker Stick Bows, maybe like last year or whatever. Uh, I, I think it was him. Uh, somebody asked him, you know, hey, what's what's kind of the range people are people are ordering? And I think he said, yeah, most bows are coming in about fifty pounds, under under fifty pounds. Now, fifty pounds, some of these curmudgeons are going to tell you is is not like a man's bow; it's a light bow. You know, they have they have no reason why like a grown man can't be shooting a fifty-five or sixty-pound bow. And I learned to shoot on a fifty-five or sixty-pound bow. Well, on a previous podcast, I talked to you about starting off with uh, um, a low or a reasonable. Uh, reasonable poundage. And I don't think, again, I, I'm, I'm doing like the armchair thing here, but I'm going to call BS on a lot of these guys who say they can actually pull the poundage that they do. Because I've seen these guys shoot. I've seen the videos they put up. I've seen some of these people shoot in person. I've seen some of these, uh, you know, whether, whether it's on YouTube, the videos they put up or on Facebook groups of the videos they put up. Um, I, I just, I've seen enough that, f first of all, they're, they're, I'm not impressed. I'm sorry. I've seen you shoot, and I'm not impressed. I'm not, I'm not like an Olympic-level like shooter, but I certainly think I shoot better than these guys. A, because I'm shooting lower poundage, because I have, and because I'm, I'm concentrating on my form and trying to get everything right. 
the way some of these guys shoot is, ah, man, it, 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 it's not good. It's atrocious. Some, some of them are really good. And I'm not talking about, like, some of them just snap shooting. Because snap shooting, we're going to take a little, a little tangent here. Um, you know, there's, there's coming back to full draw and holding for, you know, a few seconds or whatever, get everything lined up, and then execute the shot. And then there's snap shooting. Now, Fred Bear used to be a snap shooter. There's a lot of guys, and, and, and this is the way archery was taught back in the day. You know, you pull it back, and as soon as your finger touches the corner of your lip, you let it go. That was snap shooting. Now, if you do that, uh, or, or let's call it like quick, very quick shooting. If you do that every time, and you do it perfectly every time, and you actually do come back to full draw, and you're, you, know, you do touch the corner of your mouth or wherever you happen to be anchor, and you're at anchor, and then you, you finish the shot with, a, you know, with, with, with good back tension and a good pull through, you know, whether you anchor there for you know, three minutes or like a nanosecond, okay, that's fine. That's your shot sequence. But I think the term uh, snap shooting is typically applied to people who don't actually come to full anchor and don't execute the shot the same way every time. Like I said, I've seen some of these guys shoot. And, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm sorry, if anybody's listening saying, who the hell are you, Emra, to, to sit there and, and criticize these people? Well, you know what? This is just my podcast. It's my opinions. Um, and and it's, it's these same people that criticize, you know, lighter weight shooters and proper form shooters and people that, that that dive into how to make you know what makes it what makes a bow go and what makes an arrow go you know the the the, the, the curmudgeons the trad police these are the same guys that shoot like crap it seems like so I'm sorry I feel like I have to kind of lash out a little bit at, at this so anyway um, they may say they're shooting a 55 pound bow but these guys and, and again bows are rated at 28 inches right unless it's a custom bow um, but most people if you pick up say it's a, it's a 55 pound bow um, you know, off the shelf or stock bow or whatever, then it's rated at, 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 28, at 28 inches of draw. Meaning if you pull to like 30 inches, you're probably putting, um, depend, again, depending on the bow, but let's just say that the bow doesn't stack or do anything stupid. So for every inch over 28 that you pull, you're pulling anywhere from two and a half to three pounds more. And every inch less than 28 inches, you're pulling two and a half to three pounds less. So if you have a 55 pound bow and you're, you know, it's a 28 inches and you're actually pulling it to uh, 30 inches, let's say a genuine 30 inches, you're actually pulling like about, I'm going to say like 59 to 60 pounds. Okay. So two, you know, two and a half to three pounds each. So let's say about, let's say 60 pounds. You're actually pulling more than what it says. And if you're uh, not quite pulling, if you're pulling to 26 inches, then you're going to be about, you know, five or six pounds less than that. So you're pulling like a 50-pound bow. Now, I've seen these guys who say they shoot the way they shoot, and then they, they, they get into this horrible hunched-over position, which, whatever, I mean, I, I bend over a little bit, I hunch a little bit, and then they, they, they yank the bow back kind of straight to their face, and it, it as soon as it gets to, like, you know, 25 and a quarter inches and then their their you know the their fingers the draw arm fingers get anywhere sort of even remotely thinking about getting close to their face they fling their 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 hand off the bow their fingers off the bow they pluck the thing sideways you know they're pulling into like 25 and a quarter inches 25 and three quarter inches you're not even anywhere near full draw 
So that 55-pound bow that you boast about having learned to shoot on poorly, by the way, you're not pulling 55 pounds. You're about 48. You're about 48 before you start shaking like a dog shit in a peach bin. So shut up with the fact that you think you're actually pulling 60 pounds. You're not. You're not pulling 50. Some guys, trust me, some guys are. And I've seen a, a, a lot of guys shoot and they actually are doing what they're doing. But a, a lot of guys, and maybe it's not their fault, learn to shoot in the you know, 60s, 70s, or whatever this way. They got like a heavy, heavy bow because that was the thing to do. And no one really tuned their arrows because they didn't understand you know, arrow flight. They didn't understand bear shaft tuning. They didn't understand tuning of any sort. Uh, they didn't understand front of center. They didn't understand a lot of the stuff. Um, and they just kind of mixed and matched, you know, whatever, and they just shot, and they were taught to, to snap shoot, you know, bring the thing back, and as soon as it touched your face, fling it and let it go. Well, the, the, the flinging part of it, first of all, they, they probably do very, very poorly because, like I said, it, they, 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 they pluck the string, which means it kind of pulls it away, you know, away sideways, and you're inducing this, um, this weird wiggle into the arrow that otherwise wouldn't be there. You're not pulling the poundage that you think you're pulling because it's nowhere near your face, but you think it is. It's just a mess. And, you know, I'm sure these guys have killed a lot of deer. A lot of critters have hit the, hit, hit the ground. Um, with people shooting this way, and that's fine, but it's it it's not necessarily the the oh man I'm gonna say the, it's not necessarily the right way to do it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, one of the reasons I'm gonna say that is because um, not only is their form bad, but the arrow flying through the air just is got a wiggle, a wobble, a kick, a fishtail, a porpoise. Um, and they don't really know how to tune it out. They've never had to really, you know, worry about spine. You know, someone told them, oh, this, this spine should work. And they put, you know, a, a 125 grain or 150 grain something up front, and they just shoot. Feathers will take care of the rest. But you look at some of the stuff in slow-mo, and it's like, oh, my God, it's atrocious. Now, we owe it, you hear it all the time, we owe it to the animals that we shoot to shoot a perfectly perfectly flying, perfectly straight, perfectly tuned arrow because that arrow needs to impact dead straight in order to impart all its energy and cut through and slice what it needs to slice and penetrate. You don't want to wound this thing. You don't want to wound anything. So why wouldn't you want to tune everything to be absolutely perfect flying? So um, <clears throat> I guess getting back, kind of, kind of wrapping up the whole bow weight thing. Um, yes, many guys may actually be shooting that, but I doubt it. And they didn't seem to have an understanding. It seems like, um, and I'm generalizing here. I'm sorry, but I'm on a rant. Um, they didn't understand tuning. They didn't understand a perfectly flying arrow and that a perfectly flying arrow out of a 45 pound, uh, you know, 45 pound bow is much better than, you know, a sideways flying arrow out of a 55-pound bow. And the fact that the guy shooting a 45-pound bow or 43-pound bow probably uh, practices a whole crap ton more than, than you know, than, than this guy does. And he's more confident and can hit the kill zone, um, you know, more often than, than, you know, the guy shooting an, a bow that he's clearly overbowed for um, that he doesn't realize he's overbowed that he's overbowed. Now, it, it seems to be 
like some people come to the realization, yeah, man, I really am overbowed. <clears throat> they might shoot a lighter bow and then they might have shoulder problems or whatever and they go down and they're like, wow, what, why have I been shooting a 60-pound bow for all these years, you know? Or uh, they'll have, you know, shoulder surgery and then, you know, replacement or whatever, rotator cuff. And then when they get back to shooting again, they, by necessity, can't be shooting the heavier bows. They're shooting, uh, you know, the doctor says, hey, if you're going to be shooting, you know, no more than 40, 43 pounds. And they start shooting these things and, they, you know, they sh A, they're shooting better B, they're having more fun. C, they're shooting more, and they're actually killing critters. I'm like, wow, you can actually do this. <clears throat> so I wish a lot more people, I'm not saying you have to shoot a 40-pound bow. Don't get me wrong. I think you should, you should shoot the absolute most poundage that you can shoot, okay? Because there's, there's no replacement, you know, no replacement for displacement, right? Um, horsepower, you know, behind that thing just... It, 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 trump, it doesn't trump all, but horsepower counts for a lot. But you should shoot the bow, or you should shoot a bow that's, that's the heaviest that you can shoot, but that you can shoot as often as you need to, and that's totally dependent on the individual, that you feel confident that every time you pick up that bow that you are not going to flinch, that you're going to come to full draw, you're going to come to anchor, you're going to execute your shot perfectly, and then you know, I got this. That feeling of, I got this, every single time. And I don't think guys that shoot super heavy stuff do that. Um, there are obviously, you know, we, we've all heard and seen and listened to, you know, kind of some of, some of the greats or whatever. They've been on other podcasts. And yeah, they shoot heavier stuff and they get the job done. And they, they, they seem to understand all this stuff about the tuning and everything. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I'm not saying if you're shooting heavy bow that you're shooting it poorly. I'm just saying that a lot of people that are poo-pooing the lighter stuff, are a lot of them do shoot their bows kind of poorly. And that's just from personal observation. So we're going to wrap up the whole uh, um, bow poundage thing. So, Okay, so moving on to Aeroflight and the science of tuning. And with Aeroflight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to include uh, in not just only tuning the arrow, but tuning the bow. Um, obviously, not many people had, uh, you know, back in the day, you know, we, we didn't have Google. We didn't have access to uh, slow motion photography. Well, it was out there, but now you can do it on your iPhone. You know, you can, you can kind of, uh, you can video yourself shooting and then you can go frame by frame and see, you know, what the arrow is doing. You can see it coming off the shelf. You can see it, you know, flexing up, down, left, right, whatever. You can see all this stuff. Uh, we can measure things a whole lot more. And I think now that we can do that and we can actually scientifically measure things and, and, and it's, it's available to, you know, the common man, I think a lot of misconceptions or, prop, or previously held beliefs about arrows and arrow flight and tuning are, are, are kind of being shattered. And I, I don't think the old guard likes it. In fact, a lot of them say they don't like it because they say it takes away the purity of traditional archery. Why overthink it? It's just a stick and a string. Stop. Stop. That's the, the whole it's just a stick and a string thing is, 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 is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yes, it's just a stick and a string. But there's a lot of science, a lot of physics, a lot of math 
behind this projectile that's flying through the air. If you choose to ignore it, that is, that's, that's on you. Good for you. You can choose to ignore it. But don't sit there and tell somebody else that they're overthinking it by actually tuning their equipment, tuning their arrows, doing bare shaft tuning. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of a, a paper tuning, um, at least with, with um, uh, traditional stuff. But, you know, a lot of guys will do it and do the paper tuning and then bare shaft. Some people, you know, will do both. I never understood how trying to understand how your weapon and how the projectile that's launched out of this weapon, how it flies, how uh, it can be you know, thrown off course, the things that affect it. I never understood how trying to understand all that is somehow, um, I don't know, un unpure you know, to the whole to the whole shooting, you know, shooting archery or, or, or hunting with tra traditional equipment. I, I, I don't understand that. Um, to me, that's akin to uh, <clears throat> just picking up any old rifle and putting in, you know, any old uh, cartridge in there, and you don't know the load, you don't know the, you know, the grain weight of the cartridge. You don't know how it hits, where it hits. You've never shot it. You've never tested the scope. You don't know how it shoots in your hands. And you just go out there and shoot stuff. And you know what? People do that too, and, and it drives me nuts. But why wouldn't you want to understand exactly what this weapon does in your hands and why it does what it does? I, I, I never understood why people are so close-minded. Like, oh, no, that's just, you know, um, uh, you know hocus-pocus, and uh, it's just magic the way this stuff happens. Now, bear shaft tuning has become, uh, you know, pretty, uh, pretty in fact, pretty much in fashion lately. Um, I'm going to say probably, maybe it always was, but I mean, everyone's talking about it now, and everyone understands now what you know when, when your bear shaft flies, and and how it flies, and and the way it hits. You know, what does it indicate? You know, does it indicate that it's a little too stiff, that it's a little too weak, that it's a knock point up, down, that kind of stuff. Now, there's people that tell you, well, why would you want to do that? Because uh, I don't shoot bear shafts at, uh, at targets, or I don't shoot bear shafts at game. Mine has feathers. Well, again, I said it last podcast, it's the right thing to do. Because your arrow, your actual arrow shaft, minus the fletching, is telling you that it's, it's, it's naturally wanting to fly a certain way. The only reason fletchings are at the back of that arrow is to create drag and to straighten out to, to straighten out the arrow. And especially if there is a broadhead on the front, you know, and, and that the blades could kind of plane one way or another, and you're wanting to create more drag in the back than you are in the front. That's it. Now, there are articles out there, and, and, and the, the, well, one of them came out in um, Traditional Bowhunter a few episodes, a few uh, uh, issues ago, and I think it was titled um, The Case for Straight Fletching. And in that article, it was, it was actually written by a rocket scientist, and he was explaining that, you know, that, that the spin imparted on an arrow doesn't even do anything. Um, the spin is a result of, of having the, the feathers at an angle, at, a, at an angle of attack to the wind, and you're, you're putting them at an angle to the wind to create drag. <clears throat> and by doing that, you know, they're angled one way, and, and it creates a spin. But the spin's a byproduct. The spin isn't exactly what's keeping the arrow from stabilizing. I think they said the arrow would need to spin something like like a couple million RPM, in which case the you know the, the arrow would just blow up from centrifugal force. Um, 
So all you're really trying to do is, is, is create drag at the back of that arrow. Not necessarily make it spin, but just create drag. The, the bear shaft, the, the straighter the thing flies, then the less the arrow kicks sideways and the less wind resistance there are, the, the, or you know, the less the arrow has to uh, be corrected at the back with the feathers. So first of all, it's more, so then it's more, it's more efficient. It's flying straighter. The, uh, the, the fletchings have less, less work to do to keep the arrow flying straight. Simple as that. It recovers quicker, at, you know, because you still have paradox. It's, it's still coming off, uh, off the bow. And I actually have a YouTube video uh, explaining the, the, the reason for Archer's, parado Archer's Paradox, which is, you know, it, 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 the arrow curving around the riser as you shoot it. It's initiated uh, not, only, not only because it's, it, it's resting against the, uh, the riser and it's pointed outward, you know, so if you're a right-handed shooter, the, the tip of the arrow is pointing left. But when you shoot the bow, you're, the fact that the string is rolling off of your fingers imparts a side load onto, that, onto the back of that string, into the back of that arrow knock that kicks the back of the uh, arrow more in line now with the front of the arrow, and it, and it, cur it helps curve around the riser without hitting the riser. That's a really simplistic one. Go look at the video. It explains it a little bit better. But, you know, the, the arrow still has to recover a little bit. But we're talking like it can recover in feet rather than like, you know, 20 yards. If you've got a really poorly tuned arrow, those, that, the fletching has to work a whole lot harder. And it takes a lot longer. Uh, it takes energy out of the arrow, first of all. And it takes a lot longer for the arrow to, be, you know, to get flying straight once it clears the bow. So bear shafting is absolutely important. Uh, figuring out FOC, you know, front of center. Um, I don't want to get into the FOC debate. Uh, it works for me. Higher FOC works for me. Um, it's, you know, you can make the case where if it gets, you know, too, too high, uh, it makes the back end too light and susceptible to, you know, to kicking around, even though the front ends up where it wants, to, where you want it to go. Um, then the arrow can, can then start flying sideways you know, and kind of be counterproductive because even though the front's going where you want it to go, the, the back of the arrow is kind of kicked off to one side if, uh, you know, if there's a crosswind and uh, it's just easy to move. Um, I haven't done a, a, a ton of testing on that, but I know what works for me and I've shot my stuff in the wind and I've settled on a happy medium. And, you know, that works for me. All of this stuff is, you know, based in science. There's actual, I guess there's actual physics and math and numbers uh, that, that are related to make this, this, this projectile fly through the air. Why wouldn't you want to understand all that stuff? And if you don't want to understand that, stu understand that stuff, just because you don't understand it or don't want to understand it, why would you sit there and tell somebody who is, who is really, really interested in the fine you know, minutia and the details of this that they're, that they're being untrad, that they're taking uh, the purity out of uh, you know, this, this mystical weapon? It's not a freaking mystical weapon. It's a stick and a string, and it's a spring is what it is. Those limbs are springs. They hold energy. That's potential energy. When you let the string go, it turns into kinetic energy, which transfers the energy into the arrow, and it makes it fly. It, it, I mean, it's that simple, but it's also that complicated. So, I mean, where do you get off telling someone that they shouldn't be worrying about bear shaft flight or, uh, or actually tuning or just throw feathers on the thing and just, you know, and, and just, just let rip? I mean, who are you to say that? Now, don't get confused. In a previous one of the other episodes, um, 
I think episode four, I believe, I did say when you're just learning to shoot, don't worry about bare shafting, don't worry about, you know, a proper spine, don't worry, just, you know, you know, the feathers will take care of it, just, just shoot. That's like literally like entry level shooting. I'm shooting for the first like few months of picking up this bow. We're not even close to talking about, um, you know, that, that you even have your right form, that you're going to be hunting with this thing. Uh, I mean, that's just learning to actually go through the shot execution, uh, you know, once you're at full draw and, and, and shoot the arrow, okay? That, that is literally like, you know, your first day of driver's ed saying, this is the brake pedal, this is the gas pedal, and this is the, you know, this is the gear shift, okay? We're not even in the same league talking with actually, you know, further down the road when we're actually tuning this stuff. I'm talking about when we're actually tuning the bow and tuning the arrow. Why wouldn't you want someone to have the most, um, you know, to, to have the most information about their setup so they can tune their setup to be the absolute most efficient uh, and, and clean flying and quiet, you know, uh, you know, bow and arrow that, that it can be? I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, maybe, maybe it comes out of... Um, uh, jealousy. I don't know. Maybe people just don't like it because they don't understand it. Uh, maybe it comes from the fact that this used to be, uh, again, this is my opinion, but I've heard it said before, um, this whole trad world used to be this, this small group, closed group of people who did this thing and didn't really talk about it because, you know, some of them were good. A lot of them were really bad and they just kind of got away with it, and, you know, they shot stuff, and they really didn't talk about the stuff they wounded, but, um, you know, now you've got this fresh blood coming in that's kind of kicked open the doors and, and said, you know, let's really evaluate all the stuff. Now, there's a, there's a con to this, because there's some elements of, of, of guys coming in from the compound world, from whatever, who are trying to do compoundy things in with traditional equipment like shoot too far thing oh well you know i can shoot 30 40, 40 45 yards or whatever there's very few people on this planet that can actually do that you know and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name names I, you know it, it comes down to ethics but for most people okay uh get you know get get your head out of your ass for, for, for trying to do this like long range like hunting stuff with, with a travel get closer okay um so i can understand some of the animosity of the old guard that they have with some of the new people coming in wanting to uh, change traditional archery from what it is to what they want it to be from that they're used to with in, in the compound world. But I think that element is is not as big as um, as they're making out to be. I think the bigger problem is you know the old guard again they had their they had their way they weren't questioned. Um, nobody, you know, challenged these old wives tales and myths and things like that. And people just shot and it was all fine. And then now we've got things we can measure. We've got, you know, people, the, the, the whole online community thing, you know, not just in the, in, in the archery world, but in anything, right. Communication and inter interaction has opened up so like a wealth of information, like, you know, that you can talk to people who have similar experiences and it's like, what, yeah, you, you see that too. Yeah, you're, you're finding that it does this too? I thought I was the only one. Why is it doing this? You know, and it's like a revelation. And all of a sudden, a bunch of other people chime in like, oh, yeah, I find, you know, when I do this and I shoot this or I do that, this happens too. Yeah, me too. And all of a sudden, these, these, these preconceptions just got, are, 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 are shattered. So um, maybe it's, it's, it's people not dealing well with change. Um, 
with with uh, you know not being happy that this magical mystical power that you know trad archers uh, you know that that they thought they had that other people didn't all of a sudden it's like no no there's there's science to this you know we can all learn to shoot you know some people do shoot better but I I think it, it's kind of shattered the. The, the, the their world a little bit, you know, these, um, the neo-trad people. And I, I guess the term neo-trad can get you, you know, can be used for like brand, brand new neo-trad, like in the last, you know, five years where there's, there's been this explosion um, in traditional archery. But I think the neo-trad, that term, I refer to it as like the generation before when, you know, the, after the compounds and they just kind of created their own rules about how it should be. You know, everything we've been talking about here, you know, you got to shoot this way. You can't have a sight. It's got to be instinctive. You know, if you uh, reference anything, you know, heaven forbid, um, you know, and, 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 and shooting styles too, you know, it had to be split finger, you know, and three under, you know, they're like, okay, we can do that. But heaven forbid you do any kind of string walking or fixed crawl or anything like that to, you know, to, you know, to raise the back of the arrow to, you know, actually aim down the arrow and, and heaven forbid, be accurate. Oh my God, these people are, you know, it's, you know, they go off the, on their own little rants again about, you know, that's not trad and, you know, you're, you're, you're turning this into, you know, why would you aim? I mean, that's, that's just a, I mean, stop and think about that, that, that comment for a second. Why would you aim? That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why would you aim? Why would you want to be accurate? Why, why wouldn't you want to be accurate? So, I don't know. I'm kind of going round and round in here. I think just kind of coming back to the whole, uh, you know, bow tuning and bear shafting and all that stuff. You know, we're finding out a lot about um, how, how bows actually react, um, how bows are actually tuned, uh, whether it's, you know, like, um, uh, what am I going to say, uh, brace height tuning or what string silencers do, um, you know, j just you know, what different string materials do. All these things, you know, really weren't measurable before. Now they are. Or at least if they were measurable, everybody wasn't talking about it because everybody wasn't connected, you know, online. Now we're all connected and all these questions are coming up and all these opinions are coming up. And, you know, I, I think the old, the old guard is just not happy with some of this stuff. So, I don't know. There's a... Uh, you know, there, there, there's other there's other things in there about you know some of them you know don't like GPSs, uh, some of them uh, don't like range finders because range finding for you know a range finder would indicate that you know you're trying to shoot far distance you know exactly you know you should just you know be instinctive and just 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 purely you know you should be able to hit that. Well, you know what if if a guy is terrible at, at, at ranging and I'm terrible at ranging and if they want to say man you know is that you know I'm going to set, you know, a certain distance as my maximum limit. You step out into the woods, and like for me, like it'd be like 20 yards maximum limit, right? Um, sometimes for me, 20 yards, I'm like, man, that's 20 yards away. I'll walk up, it's only 15. Or I'll walk up, and it'll be like 27. I'm that bad with, 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 with you know, uh, range, well, maybe not that bad. But I mean, I'm, I'm not great with range estimation. So what's wrong if you want to carry, you know, uh, if, you, if you want to carry a range finder and you're set up where you're going to be set up and you can start ranging different things and it's like, okay, that tree is 15, uh, that bush over there is, you know, 18, that clump of grass over there is, you know, 22. Okay, now anything that steps inside of that kind of circle, 
that I just did, I got this, all right? Anything past that is past my, um, my, my shooting ability. Why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want something where you're limiting, where you're uh, helping yourself limit uh, to an ethical, ethical shot distance? You don't have to rely on the rangefinder. You don't have to sit there and be like, okay, that's 23 yards. So now I know exactly 23 yards. So I'm going to aim a little bit high this way. You know, certainly people can do that. I, I get it. But I think people can do that even without a rangefinder. They'll look at it out there. And without a range find, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that looks like it's 17 yards. That's in my wheelhouse. Well, it turns out the thing's like at 29, you know, or, uh, or, or, or vice versa. The thing's a lot closer, uh, and you thought it was farther, and then, you know, you, you graze it across the top, or you spine the thing, or you hit it, you know, whatever. So just technology in general, you can, you can use or take away as, as, as much as as you feel it's ethical, but I mean, I don't think it's unethical to carry a rangefinder while you've got a traditional bow. Most of the time I don't because my rangefinder sucks and I can pace off things, right? But honestly, if you're sitting there and then, you know, before you climb into your tree stand and you sit there, okay, I'm going to sit here <clears throat> and I'm going to pace off to this tree and pace off to that tree. Is that any different? <clears throat> Excuse me. Is that any different than actually picking up a rangefinder instead of walking the 10 steps or 20 steps or whatever and walking back and then walking 15 steps in this direction and walking back? Is that any different than sitting there with a rangefinder and ranging those places? No. All you're still doing is finding out exactly where those, you know, where, where those, um, uh, uh, you know, range, you know, markers are. So, I don't know. Um, I, I, again, I, I tried, I was, I was trying not to make this into like too much of a negative uh, rant of a podcast, but I think it, I think it needs to be said because it's, it's, it's just been really frustrating and it's really frustrating for someone new coming in when you got some old crusty guy telling them that they should, you know, forget this, forget gap for, you know, don't mess with that stupid crap. Why would you do it? You're ruining traditional art. You know, you're ruining the purity. You know what? Shut up. Cause all we tell people, you know, it seems like all that we spout on all the in different podcasts and different forums and this and that, all I hear is, you know, how the traditional community is like, you know, the nicest bunch of people and the most welcoming and this and that. And for the most part, they are. It's a, it's a great bunch of people. I think anyone that hunts with a traditional bow, I'm, 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 I'm making assumptions here, but it's my belief that they're like a, like, like a step above as a hunter and probably as a human being too. I don't know. There's probably some pretty bad people doing it, but... Um, I, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna pick up a traditional bow and hunt with a traditional bow, that that says something about your character and the fact that you know you're 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 in it for the experience and you're in it to do it hard and you're not in it for the glory and the you know Instagram likes and this and that, um, and and that's great. And we tell people this and we tell people all that, but I mean, how does it look when a brand new person comes in and they ask a simple question about you know, man? Um, I'd really like to put a sight on my, or I'd really like to figure out how to sight. Or you know, I, I heard about this, you know, fixed crawl method. You know, when I when I watched uh, the push, you know, how do I how do I implement it? Really, I'm still kind of confused about blah blah blah. And then someone chimes in and tells them that they're an idiot for ruining the purity of a simple stick and string. That doesn't end, that doesn't sound very good. Now, thankfully, a lot a lot of this is go, is going away. I think it's going away. I think it's being there's such a wave of new people coming in. And, uh, you know, open communication and open forums and things like that and videos that um, the, the mysticism of traditional, or at least the, how do I say this, the perceived mysticism that the trad police have 
about traditional archery, that's going away. Now, that's not a bad thing because, I mean, any of us know, if, any, if you guys don't shoot a traditional bow, man, go pick one up and shoot one because, trust me, there is plenty of magic and plenty of mysticism to go around even when you try to wrap your head around uh, the science behind what's going on uh, with, with this simple stick and a string. <clears throat> there's, trust me, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to go around. And just because, you know, you, you kind of peel back the veil, um, of this, uh, you know, the, 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 sheath of this thing that these guys have guarded, you know, for so long, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, I, I, I can understand the concepts here. Let me break it down. So it works for me. What's so bad about that? And then every time you launch your, launch your arrow and you see the flight of that arrow, trust me, lots of magic, lots of mysticism. You're not missing out on anything, and you're, you're certainly not missing out. You know, if, if you do that, you're certainly not messing out on, um, uh, you know, the, the, the experience of, of, of shooting this bow. So, you know, and one more thing that I wanted to address uh, is it's in the uh, it's in the the traditional world uh, social media going around nowadays is the term struggle stick. Uh, this has kind of been a hot button issue or, or or term or hashtag or whatever for uh, for a little bit for a little while now, and I think it's just it, it's ridiculous that there's like a quote unquote uproar about this. Um, that term was coined well it wasn't coined by Aaron Snyder but it was made famous by Aaron Snyder, and. Um, you know, it basically, uh, I think he, he, got, uh, um, he got a lot of flack for it uh, when he started talking, of, you know, coining that phrase when he started shooting a traditional bow. And the term, I mean, it, it says it all, right? I mean, it is a struggle to shoot this thing, right? I mean, it is very, it, it, it's difficult. It's not as easy as shooting a compound. It's not as easy as shooting a rifle or anything else like that. It is a struggle. It is a struggle to, A, um, hunt close and closer with a traditional bow. It is a struggle to actually learn how to shoot this bow and shoot it accurately, like we've been talking about all episode, and not really pretending that, you know, and convincing yourself that you're actually shooting it correctly and ethically, being able to take ethical shots, but actually doing it, okay? And there are some of the old guard that uh, are on a, well, it's the tradition, traditional archery society, okay? And I don't know if it's one or two people in there or whoever they're, uh, um, um, social media ma media manager is or whatever, but they have been on a tear these last several weeks, month, whatever, about how they um, they're 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 pushing their hashtag uh, deadly stick. You know, it's like you know what it it it's, it doesn't sound as cool. You're 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 just trying to you're just sounding reactive. You sound ridiculous. Just 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 stop it. Just stop it. Struggle stick. The term struggle stick to me is a. Um, it's, it's a little bit, you know, self-deprecating, you know, which is good. It's a badge of honor, which is good. Um, and it's, and it's pretty damn honest, honestly, it's, 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 it's a very honest thing to say. And for you guys to have a problem with the term struggle stick is absolutely ridiculous. And for you to sit there and blitz social media with, you know, deadly stick, deadly stick, you know what, stop it. You're not doing yourselves any favors. You sound ridiculous. And for you to get upset over the term struggle stick is even more ridiculous. It's just so stupid. I actually had to unfollow them. Uh, I couldn't take it anymore. Um, sorry if you guys are TAS members. I'm sure there's a lot of good members, but um, it just got to the point where it was just it just it was just dumb. I'm sorry. So um, and I, actually this morning 
Um, I actually, I, I'm recording this little section of this podcast, uh, maybe like a, a week or so before, after I recorded the bulk of this podcast. And this morning, actually, I was listening to Aaron on Kafarocast with um, um, uh, South Cox, and they 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 were they were saying the exact same thing. They were kind of addressing that a little bit. I mean, he's talking about the whole struggle stick thing too, but so I hope this doesn't sound like I'm just kind of piggybacking off of that. But um, he even said this morning the, the the phrase that I've been saying all all along is. Um, uh, not not self-deprecating, but uh, a, a badge of honor. Okay, I've always said that it was a badge of honor. So, um, and, and and it was funny that I heard it on their podcast this morning. But anyway, to me that that's that's what it is. And he has said it himself. He's not being arrogant, and it's clearly evident to everyone that is in traditional or ha- new to traditional or has been in traditional that he has brought in more people. Him and very few other people, okay? But really, Aaron Snyder is responding. I don't know the guy. I've never said one word to the guy. I've, I've messaged him one or two times on Instagram, and that's about it, you know? But he has brought in more people into traditional archery in the last, let's say, in the three years that he's been shooting it, because he shot it in 2016 a little bit. He gave it up, uh, you know, went back to compound for um, a year, and then he past two years, he's been um, fu- fully trad, right? But even in that first year, that 2016 year, he has brought in more people and created more interest in this boom of traditional archery in three years than any of these these old guard, uh, old-timey, crusty curmudgeon groups, or, or, or I, I, sh- I shouldn't categorize all of the group as like that, okay, but that, that these groups are filled with cr- these crusty old curmudgeons, let's put it that way. There's a bunch of them in there. And uh, he's brought in more people into this, into this world than any of these groups have in the last probably 15, 20 years, probably more. Okay. So this boom we're seeing in traditional archery is almost single-handedly, almost single-handedly responsible for one guy. So instead of sitting there and bitching about the term struggle stick, shut up and say, you know what? Thank goodness someone, you know, under the age of 65 is actually talking about this stuff and doing this stuff. And you know what? Being very, very successful putting animals on the ground. This guy is an absolute, I mean, he, he's just hes just a hunting machine, right? He's really, really good no matter what he picks up. But here's a guy that can actually like walk the walk, you know, and not just talk the talk. So maybe you might want to be a little more, uh, I don't want to say respectful, well, you know, but, but not so close-minded to somebody who's doing it doing it right and actually having real results. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Anyway, I'm sorry if I pissed a lot of people off. I'm sorry if some of you guys are, are the old guard. Some of you may, some of you may say, well, yeah, maybe that was me. I do think like that. Uh, some of you say, well, you know what, Emra, you're an, you're, you're an idiot. You're an asshole. Shut up. What do you know? Hey, whatever. It's my podcast, but that's just what I see. And if we want to make this thing grow, and if we want to have the right people in there, we can't be, we, you know, we, we can't be turning away. Um, it's, you know, we, we have a, I'm in Minnesota, we have a saying here, Minnesota nice, right? Well, there's a lot of people here that, just like anywhere else, that, that, that aren't Minnesota nice, or are ni- nice at all. So if you're going to sit there and, and tell the world what a great, uh, you know, culture and, 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 and club and click, you know, we are, you, you, you have to reciprocate. They can't just, you, you can't just say, well, Come in this way. Well, when you invite them in, 
um, you have to be open to the way they want to learn and their experience and the way, you know, they want to understand things without being so closed-minded. So anyway, um, if you like this podcast, please uh, like, share, and subscribe. Uh, tell, uh, tell your friends, tell everybody. Uh, come to uh, the uh, Bohoning Soul Facebook group and uh, definitely check out the videos, Bohoning Soul, on YouTube. Got a bunch of stuff out there. It's going to be uh, getting near turkey season here. By the time this is released, I think turkey season might be like a week away. I'm recording this in the uh, in the first week of April, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to do these every week or every two weeks now. So depending how many I've got, you know, I'm going to have saved up in the bank. But uh, definitely going to be getting out there. I've been tuning my uh, tuning my stuff for, uh, for for turkeys, and I'm super super excited to be getting out. The season opens April 17th for us here. So um, really, really psyched about that. So hope you guys are having a good spring and uh, I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks.